called Mamas. I am so excited that you chose to join us today. This is the Called Mama podcast. My name is Tara Dietrich, and I am very excited about today's episode because we are continuing our deep dive into the book of Philippians. Now, today is part two, so if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to part one, I want to encourage you either pause this, go back, listen to part one, or maybe after this at at a separate time, but don't miss what the Lord is doing in this study. It has been powerful. I've heard from many of you that have expressed to me how much you have been enjoying this, how encouraged you've been by the Lord already, which is amazing. God's word is alive and active, and it is so incredible how the Bible and the word of God still speaks to us a fresh word to this day, and I am expecting no less through today's study in this episode. So if you would, please hit the like button and share this with as many as we can possibly get this out to. Just encourage the body of Christ because what we need is less self-talk and more God talk, right? Um, So let's go ahead and share this with the world and hopefully it will be an encouragement to as many people as possible. Um, and I am just really excited to dive in. Now, I right now in this moment am hiding in my bedroom. I am a mama of three young girls, two of which are doing school currently, and my other, who is just four, is having some little quiet time watching some cartoons, so don't mind any little chatter that you hear in the background. Us mamas gotta do what we gotta do, Um, but nevertheless, we are moving forward, and I'm so excited again about this study. So today, as we go into part two, um, I am just going to encourage you at your own time, try to carve out a space to read chapter two in um, in its full context, okay? I'm not going to take the time to do it on the podcast because I do want to keep these um, you know, not so long. I want to make these little bite size um, teachings um, really to keep them easy for us to partake of. But at your own time, I want to encourage you, the Passion Translation specifically for chapter two is in Incredible. And so um, if you want to go ahead and get your Bible app out, check out the Passion Translation. It is really amazing, just the language and the translation that's being used to convey Paul's words here in this chapter. Um, in other translations, um, such as the NIV, Paul begins this specific chapter by exhorting the community of believers and saying, therefore, therefore, and just in that word alone, what he's doing, and he's drawing us back to what he's already built upon in chapter one, specifically at the end of the chapter, chapter verses 27 through 30, he is acknowledging Um, that they have gone through some challenges. They have gone through some hardships in life, but they have kept 
the faith. It says, um, for specifically in verse 30, it says, for you have been called by him to endure the conflict in the same way I've endured it, but do not give up. He is encouraging them just because there is conflict that surrounds you. There is persecution that is surrounding you. There is challenges that surround you. He is saying, do not give up. And woman of God, I just want to reemphasize that to you guys right now. Do not give up. No matter what surrounds you, it is a new year. It is a new day. And though you may be surrounded by conflict, you may be surrounded by challenges, you may be in the midst of a challenge right now, but the word of God is encouraging us, do not give up. And so therefore... Therefore, be encouraged, sisters. Um, We're starting chapter two with the encouragement of the Lord. He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to take comfort in the fact that God loves us and he's for us and he's with us. He has not abandoned us in the midst of our conflict. Um, And he is really emphasizing to us in this specific chapter, unity. Unity. I'm specifically going to read verses two. Again, I'm reading right now from the Passion Translation. But he says, My friends, be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unabound joy. Okay, so Paul is telling us, he's telling the church back then and he's telling us today, he wants us to walk together in unity. Now, I know what you're thinking because I know what I'm thinking. We're human. We know how frail sometimes unity can be. We know how fragmented the body of Christ in this day and age can be. But the call that God wants to give us in this hour is to walk in unity, that he wants us to be a people that are so um, for each other, that we are for Jesus, therefore we're for each other, and we should lay aside all of the challenges that we might be experiencing, um, even within the midst of the body of Christ, and he wants us to come together and represent God in a way that translates to perfect unity. And this can be challenging, but this whole chapter is about encouraging us on how do we do it? Because I know, I know you might be asking that question. How do we do that? What does that specifically look like? Well, I want to break that down for us, just like Paul broke it down for the church in this chapter. So in chapter one, he was encouraging them through external conflict, but now he's specifically focusing on internal conflict, okay? So there might be a war going on outside, but there's also sometimes a war going on within 
within us that causes disunity, that can cause us to um, not be able to come together in a way that is harmonious with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what he wants to address and encourage us to work it out, work out the struggle within us so that we can come together and make a harmonious sound. And he specifically uses that word in the trans uh, passion translation, harmonious. And I want to give you the meaning of that today. Harmonious means being tuneful, not discordant, forming a pleasing and consistent whole. Okay. So in our uniqueness, we possess the ability to walk in a harmonious unity among our brothers and sisters in Christ. This does require us all to be walking in what? The same spirit. It requires us to be walking in his likeness. So I I think about this. I'm not a musician, but I enjoy music. And when I sit down and hear an orchestra play, I think there's so many different instruments. There's so many different sounds at work there, but they're working all together to create a single piece of beautiful art. And it truly, it truly amazes me what can be created through so many different pieces. But when they're all working together in one accord, it creates a masterpiece, a work of art that is just astounding. And it wouldn't be the same if one or even many of those different players decided to go off of script and do their own thing and to play something different. It would be a break in the harmonious flow that is happening there. And it would disturb the whole piece. It would create discord, right? But Paul says in order to accomplish this type of harmonious unity, how do we do that? We must be free of pride-filled opinions. Because he says, what do they do? They harm unity. They harm unity. We are to work together to bring forth the sound of heaven on earth. Paul said that when we do the work that is set before us, that we should not be thinking about ourselves. So anything that we're doing for God, it shouldn't be with selfish ambition. We shouldn't be doing it for ourselves, right? We got to lay down self and we got to think about number one, first and foremost, Jesus. And Number two, he wants us to think about others. Specifically, Paul says he wants us to think about what are we doing that is benefiting others. I don't know about you, sisters, but sometimes when I am on a mission or I am doing something, I am not always thinking about oh, what am I doing that is benefiting others right now? I'm just thinking about accomplishing the task and getting something done, especially as an administrative type of person, a type A that just has a system. I like I like charts. I like to-do lists. I like, you know, getting something accomplished and done. But sometimes we can get so focused on a task or so focused on the mission, whatever that might be, that we forget, wait a minute, 
Is what I'm doing right now benefiting those around me? Is what I'm doing right now benefiting others? I know that for me, sometimes just to even give a very simple example to this, sometimes I can wake up in the morning and I have a plan, right? I know what I want to get done in the morning. I know that I want to get school done. I want to get chores done. I want to get laundry done. I want to, maybe I have to go grocery shopping like I did today. I I have a plan and therefore I know that to get all of these things done on my checklist, I have to get things done by a certain time so that they're all accomplished within the day. But sometimes something happens with one of my kids maybe that disrupts that flow. And I have a choice in that moment. Am I going to disrupt my flow and disrupt my task for that day and throw off my whole day sometimes Um, by pausing and taking care of the need of my child or the need of my husband or maybe a friend called that day and they needed some support from me and it wasn't in the plan. It wasn't what I had to do or needed to do, but someone's in need of me. Well, I need to pause and I need to consider in that moment What is going to benefit Jesus in this moment? Like if my life is truly surrendered to him and I've laid my life down to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to represent him in all things, right now maybe I need to put away my to-do list and love on my child or love on my husband, or love on my friend in that moment who may be needing it. I need to reflect Jesus and be there for them and lay aside the quote-unquote plan I had for that day. Some that That's a very simple example, but sometimes that is what it looks like. It looks like, okay, this might frustrate me because I'm not going to fulfill everything that I wanted to fulfill today, but it's not always about me. It's not always about checking off my my to-do list, even though it feels so good. I know there's some mamas out there that it's like, oh, checking off a good to-do list. It feels so good. But sometimes it's not about that to-do list. It's not about that. It's about loving others. And it's about fulfilling the needs of those around me. And that's really the call he's giving us in this chapter. He told them that they have to be of the same mindset as Jesus. What would Jesus do? Like if if someone had a need and he was on his he was on his way from one city to the next and he had a plan and he had to accomplish something, but if someone came up to him and asked him to heal them, he would always pause and he would always act on behalf of those who were around him in love, fulfilling the works of Jesus Christ is our call. So when it comes to relationships, we have to look at them the same way that Jesus would look at them. And like I said, that that makes me seriously pause and reflect on myself and ask myself, do I do that on a consistent basis? basis in my life? 
Do I treat others like Jesus would himself? And that's a real challenge that I think God has for me and he has for all of us today is to self-examine, like examine ourselves, and ask the serious question, do I do that on a daily basis? It takes great self-discipline to act the way that Jesus wants us to act because what it what it is it's it's a dying to self on a daily basis it's it's a dying to my plan it's a d- dying to my desires what i want to do with my time well sometimes we we got to put down what we want to do and we got to love like Jesus would love and sometimes that requires sacrifice and that's exactly what Paul is encouraging the church to do in this moment. Then in Philippians 2, if we look at verses 14 through 16, and I'll go there real quick just to um, read it as a reference. So verses 14 through 16, live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. For then you will be seen as innocent faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. For you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, offering them the words of eternal life. So Paul is saying, okay, how do we do this? How do we do this unity thing? How do we come together in perfect love, perfect unity, in one mind, one spirit? Well, number one, we have to lay down self and we have to lay down pride-filled opinions. But then he's also calling us to lay down grumbling and complaining. Okay, he gets real practical with us right here. So he says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. So he is really emphasizing the importance of our heart posture and our attitude here. Okay, he said all of this is to do what? It's for what aim? That they would be cheerful. Until the day the Lord has arrived. This was what would cause us to be blameless. Paul said that we're a part of a crooked generation, but he wants us to be different than them. If if we are different than the world, we are going to shine like lights in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. Now, how do we do that? We live in a world that is self-focused. We live in a world that grumbles and complains and, you know, just really is brutal towards one another. But if we do the opposite, it is going to create joy within our hearts that is going to emanate like shining lights in the midst of this generation. I can't help but keep thinking about the end of chapter one and beginning in the beginning of chapter two, where his clear objective is for us to be as one. He wants us to be one body. So like I already said, and how do we do this? We have to die to ourselves. 
we can't serve self and others. Our self nature will fight against this. It it does, right? We we find ourselves fighting against this because it's easy. It's easy to grumble and complain. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to say no when we don't have the time because we have a plan and we got to stick to our plan. But in order for us to become one and to be transformed into his likeness, we have to count the cost. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take laying ourselves down. It's going to take laying aside our to-do lists and loving people and finding the time when when there seems to never be any time to help our neighbor out or to you know go above and beyond when someone's sick and say hey I'm going to make you a meal and I'm going to bring it to you and I'm I'm going to help take care of you however I can it's about putting people first other than ourselves. So now that, you know, that we have emphasized this point, I think it's really um, important to highlight here that there is life in this for us, okay? I know this sounds hard, and it truly is, but there's life in laying ourselves down. We are being transformed into his likeness. And so in order for us to be transformed into more and more like Christ, that requires us to lay ourselves down more and more. So it's a death for a life. And he will continue to revitalize us if we continue to be obedient to laying ourselves down. It's a beautiful exchange. And so there, it's not just, okay, die, 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 which yes, we need to do that. But there's life in death. Just like for him, there was a death and then there was a resurrection life that came after that. Well, he invites us to the same call. He says, take up your cross and follow me for the joy that is set before him. Well, there's joy set before us as well. And even as we take up our cross and we um, have to sacrifice and we find ourselves having to crucify the flesh, there is also such a life-giving joy in the midst of it because our reward is so much greater than that what that what the world's reward is with selfishness. And so God is just encouraging us today and empowering us today to, yes, lay our lives down so that we can be one with him and one with with each other, with each other. And in this chapter, he gives that beautiful, um, beautiful few verses of how he reflects about this call that Paul is giving us to do, this call that Paul is asking us to do, to not be filled with pride, to lay down selfish ambition, to stop complaining, to stop having self-promotion, to stop dis- disputing with each other. All of this that Christ, or Paul is calling us to do, he said, Christ did it first. 
We have this example in Christ himself. And so he, he lays Christ's example out for us. And I, I said it in the first episode, and I'm going to say it again in, in this one. This is a year that I truly, I truly want to live and breathe Christ. I truly want to live and breathe Jesus. I want to look like him. I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I want my emotions to reflect God. I want my actions towards all of those around me to reflect Jesus. And this is, in in chapter two, the key to doing it. And so this is my prayer for all of us today as I come to a close, that we would continue to fight the good fight and to lay all the things down that even may be coming to your mind right now. You might have things coming up that the Lord, I want to encourage you, it's the Lord who's bringing those things to your mind, the Holy Spirit inside of us who brings beautiful conviction to us. Conviction is meant to lead us to Christ, not to condemnation, but to Christ so that we can reflect him more in this earth. And so all the things that may be coming up to your mind that Christ is saying, yeah, I want you to lay this down. Yes, I want you to surrender this more this year to me. I want you to um, begin to lay aside this or that that is keeping you from maybe being more um, available to your family or available to your community, or whatever it is that he is calling you to set aside or to lay aside, he's doing it so that we can be transformed into his likeness and so that we can be in perfect unity with all of those around us, with with the body of Christ that is around us. If all of us take up our instruments and we follow the masterful peace that Christ has put in front of us, we are going to create such a symphony that is going to beckon the world to look at, at us in awe. And we are going to transform it by the beauty of Jesus Christ that is emanating and resounding from our lives. So I, I am so excited for us to take this call up and to lay the things aside that we need to lay aside. Yes, I have excitement. I know that might sound crazy. It's not exciting sometimes to, you know, die to self, but I am excited because I know that the fruit of it is going to be so sweet in our lives. And I'm even excited to hear testimonies from you of when, when we take these little steps what fruit is going to come in and through your life because you decided to lay it down for the sake of Christ. And so I leave you with those encouraging words and I know challenging words as well. And I'm very excited to continue our study next week in chapter three. But until then, I just pray, sisters, in Christ, that you have a week that is just filled with God, 
filled with his spirit and may even the words that we are reading in our Bibles come to life and bear fruit that remains. God bless you.